Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya For our Mangalacharan Smurda, we'll do from the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Vande Gurun Isha Bhaktan, if we have that. Do we have that uh, in a, like a nice PowerPoint? We do. This is the Mangalacharana, which is meant to set the, uh, the mood for any book, also to invoke auspiciousness and to offer obeisances to the Supreme Lord and all the devotees. So we can say this together and we can use this Mangalacharana regularly until everyone learns all the verses and then we can always just sing it together wherever we go. Okay? Vande Gurun Isha Bhaktan Isha Do the Bhakti David version. Vande Guru Nisha Bhaktan Isham Ishavatarakan Taprakashams Tachashakti Krishna Chaitanya Samdakam Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Godadai Pushpabanto Chitrao Shandao Tamundudao Yadadvetam Brahmopani Shadi Tadapya Satuba Yat Mantarayami Purusha Iti So Shamshavi Babaha Shadaishvaryai Purnoya Iha Bhagavansa Swayamayam Nachetanyat Krishna Jagati Padatafam Paramiha Anarpita Charim Chirat Karunayavatirna Kalau Samarpayitumunatoj Valarasam Sabaktishriyam Hari Purata Sundara Dyuti Kadamba Sandipita Sadahreya Kandare Spurutu Vasachinandana Radha Krishna Pranaya Vikriti Ladini Shakti Rasmad Ekat Manab Api Bhuvi Pura Deha Bedham Kototau Chaitanyakyam Prakatamaduna Tadvayam Chaikyam Aptam Radha Bhava Duty Suvalitam Naomi Krishna Sarupam Shri Radhaya Pranaya Mahima Kidrisho Vanayaiva Swadyo Yenad Bhuta Madurima Kidrisho Vamadiya Saukyam Chasya Mad Anubhavata Kidrisham Beti Lobhat Tadbhavadya Samajani Shachi Garba Sindhau Harindu Sankarsana Karana Tawashai Garboda Shai Chapayob Dishai Sheshascha Yasyam Shakalasa Nitya Nandakya Rama Sharanam Bamastu 
Maya tite vyapi vai kuntaloke Punaishvarye shi chaturvyuha madye Rupam yasyo pati sankarshanakyam Tam shi nityananda ramam prapadye Maya bharta janda sangashrayanga Shete sakshat karanam bodhi madye Yasyai kamsha shipuman adidevas Tam shi nityananda ramam prapadye Yasyam shamsha shila garboda shai Yanabhyabhyam loka sangatanalam Loka shrastu sutikadamadhatus Tam shi nityananda ramam prapadye Yasyam sham sham sha paratma kilanam Hoshta vishnur pati tukdabdi shai Shauni bharta yatkala sopyanantas Tam shi nityananda ramam prapadye Mahavishnu jagatkarta mayayaya srajatyada Tasyavatare vayam Advaita Charya Ishvara Advaitam Harinadvaitar Acharyam Bhakti Shamshanad Bhaktavataram Ishamtam Advaita Charya Mashraye Panchatatvatmakam Krishna Bhaktarupa Swarupakam Bhaktavataram bhaktakyam namami bhaktashaktikam Jayatam suratau pangor mamamanda matirgati Matsarvasvapadam bojau radha maranamohanau Divyavrindaranya kalpadramadha Srimadratnagara Singhasanastau Srimadratha Srila Govinda Devau Rishdali Bhi Sevyamanau Smarami Srimadrasarasaram Bhi Vamshivata Tathastita Karshan Venuswaner Gopir Gopinata Shri Estunaha Jai Jai Shri Chaitanya Jai Nityananda Jai Dvaita Chandra Jai Gaura Bhaktarind Etin Thakur Gauriyaki Kariyatmani Atmasad Etin Nircharan Vandon Tine Moranat Now, you don't have it on this slide deck, but Look up the next two verses, 120 and 121. We should put those on the slide deck. They're really nice. They finish off the, the Mangalacharana. Adi 120, 121. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. 
Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Shivasari Gauda Bhakta Vrindam Grantera Ararambe Kari Mangala Charana Guru Paishna Bhagavan Tinera Smarana Let's see the English, please. English. In the beginning of this narration, simply by remembering the spiritual master, the devotees of the Lord and the personality of Godhead, I have invoked their benedictions. Tinera svarani hoi vigna vinashana anayase hoi nija vanchita purana. Such remembrance destroys all difficulties and very easily enables one to fulfill, to fulfill his own desires. Eh? What do you think? This is the sublime uh, nature of the spiritual world and of devotional service. That in the material world, everyone's gone off track and uh, trying to make their own plan to be happy. But it won't happen because we're either instruments of material nature or we're instruments of Krishna. We're instruments in any case because that's our nature. We're Tatasta Shakti. So I may think that I am my own person. I'm going to make my own plan, but that's not my own plan. That's material nature's plan. Prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasha People who think like that actually are very foolish because they're being controlled by the material nature. And Maya is writing a little script and says, here. And then I read it and I go, here's my plan. It's not a good plan because it's Maya's plan. Krishna already wrote a little script called the Bhagavad Gita and said, here, here's my plan. So if you take Krishna's plan, then you'll destroy all difficulties and very easily cross over the material nature and also fulfill all our desires. This is mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam Tyakvasadharma Tyakvam Raja Lakshmi. No, it's the other one. Deyam sada paribhavagnam abhishtadoham. Abhishtadoham means what we actually want, what actually fulfills our desires. And when you See it, you'll know it. In other words, when we actually are surrounded by sublime aesthetic beauty of the spiritual world, we're feeling it, and it's going into our soul, then we know we're happy. We don't have to have, to have a certificate. We feel it directly for ourselves, and we know that our desires are being fulfilled one after another. In fact, they're being fulfilled so automatically and completely that we feel that it's over and beyond what I could have actually desired. Therefore, Krishna's name is Vanchatita, which means he goes beyond our expectations in fulfilling our desires. So the way to fulfill one's desires, actually, is to remember the Lord. And in this Mangala Charana, we invoke such auspiciousness by remembering the spiritual masters. We remember Lord Chaitanya, Lord Nityananda, all the Panchatattva, and then we remember the Krishna's purpose in coming to the material world and 
the way that we're situated in the material world, how it's being upheld by Balaram, and how we can rise above it and go to Vrindavan. And there we worship the three deities, 18 in our Thakur. There's three uh, main deities of Vrindavan that we worship. And this morning we sang the names of all the various deities. So one way to live in Vrindavan, which is one of the elements of Panchangam Bhakti. Panchangam Bhakti means that there are five processes of Bhakti that are so powerful that even if you don't have faith in them, but you have a little connection with them, then you'll make rapid advancement in devotional service. And so one of the ways to live in Vrindavan is one, uh, one thing that helps is to plan to go there. Even if it's far off, then you'll be thinking, I have to get ready to go to Vrindavan. And even if you don't have a ticket, you can still be thinking, I want to be in Vrindavan. And while you're anywhere, you can be preparing. And in the preparation, you'll actually go to Vrindavan to, to uh, live there. So we're going to go to the Holy Dham, Krishna willing, around December 23rd. Actually, 24th? Okay. I think I'm actually going earlier. I'm going to go during Kartik. So I'm getting ready for Kartik. I'm already making plans about what we're going to read and what we're going to do there, which places we're going to. And then also, uh, some of us are going all together to uh, Vrindavan. We're going to Jagannath Puri, and we're going to Mayapur Dam around the 24th. And we're going to have big kirtans, and we're going to have uh, prasadam, book distribution. We're going to go to holy places. But it doesn't mean that we can't go there now, because it's absolute. And one way to develop attraction for the Dham is to start meditating on the various places in the Dham now, where Lord Chaitanya performed his pastimes. So since we're going to start in Jagannath Puri, we'll today discuss a little bit about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's arrival in Jagannath Puri. You know, he took sannyas, and he traveled from Navadvip all the way to Jagannath Puri. Before he got there, he had a slight incident with his danda. He had handed it over to Lord Nityananda to watch out for, because Sanyasi also has a few things like a water pot and a danda to carry. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a new sannyasi. He was carrying his danda everywhere. He asked Nityananda Prabhu to take care of it. And did he take care of it? Boy, did he ever. He broke it into pieces and threw it into the Bunganadi. So there, there's a place there in, in Jagannath Puri called the Danda Bunganadi. It means the place where the danda of Lord Chaitanya was broken and thrown into the river. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu got back and asked for his danda back, Nityananda said, Prabhu said, oh, I think you broke it. Of course, they're the same person. And Nityananda Prabhu is bringing out Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's godhood to everybody. In fact, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked his followers to go door to door and teach everyone to chant Hare Krishna, Nityananda Prabhu didn't do that. He actually went door to door and he told everyone, chant Goranga. Because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Kali Yuga is Krishna's 
most merciful manifestation who's teaching everybody by example how to chant Hare Krishna. And Nityananda Prabhu didn't like all these formalities Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was apparently going through. In fact, most of his devotees didn't like it. They didn't like it when he left Navadweep. They didn't like it when he took sannyas and he shaved off his hair. They were always pining for him and still they worship him in Navadweep and still to this day as he was there in Navadweep dressed in his uh, beautiful cloth and also with his beautiful hair and some ornaments and so forth. So Nityananda Prabhu told Jaitanya Mahaprabhu that I think the person who's complaining about this has also broken it, broken the danda. And Jaitanya Mahaprabhu feigned anger and he told his associates who were traveling with him that you can go behind me or ahead of me, but you can't go with me. I'm going to go alone. I'm a sannyasi. I, sh I shouldn't be subjected to all this anguish from traveling with others. So the devotees decided that they would go behind Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in case anything came up. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went ahead by himself to Jagannath Puri and he reached the temple. And he went inside the Jagannath temple. And of course, the deity of Jagannath is non different from Krishna. It's Krishna in the mood of separation from the residents of Vrindavan. That's why his eyes are so big. And Balaram, he looks almost distorted. And this is one of the uh, symptoms of ecstasy. In fact, the story is that Lord Krishna, pining for the residents of Vrindavan, then heard about their feelings of separation. And when he heard about their ecstasy in Vipralamba or separation from him, then his body transformed. So did Balaram and Subhadra, arms retracted within the body and um, eyes become gigantic and so forth. So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu walked into the temple, he saw Krishna directly in the deity and out of affection, he wanted to embrace him. So he ran forward in the temple room, not realizing that there was some decorum to be observed there. And then he fainted before he reached the deity and the custodian of the temple, the temple commander came over with a stick and he was going to beat him because he thought that here's some person making a scene inside the Lord's temple and he wanted to set an example by uh, driving him out. And before he could do that, Sarvabhama Bhattacharya, who's one of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's eternal associates, um, actually, who in that this Leela had not met him yet, then just saw this beautiful sannyasi, he's 24 years old, body golden, suvarna varna he mango shanto shanti purayanaha, as described in the Sri Vishnu Sahasranam Stotram, the body of the Lord is golden. He wears bangles of sandalwood and he's uh, always absorbed in ecstasy of Krishna consciousness. So Sarvabhama Bhattacharya happened to be there and he was a great scholar, the greatest scholar of India. Still, you can look him up on Wikipedia and find out how brilliant he was. Once there was a book, he memorized the whole book just by reading it once. And he knew, he knew everything. Some people say, I know everything. 
but they don't know anything. But Sarvabhambhachari, if he ever said it, I know everything, it would have been true. He knew all the Shastras. But he didn't know who this young man was, uh, this sannyasi. So he went over and he was intrigued. And he did a little test by taking a piece of cotton swab and holding it near the nostrils of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he could see that they were slightly moving, means the breath was there. And he had read about this in the Shastra, and he said, this is a form of devotional ecstasy that he's in. Now at this point, Sarvabhambhachari is playing as being a, a mayavadi. That is someone who doesn't accept the personal form, spiritual form of God. Mayavadis think that when God comes in a bodily form, it's actually a manifestation of matter. But the real supreme is the unborn within that form. And that's all pervading, that, that's all of us and everything's one. However, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, that I'm the basis of the impersonal Brahman. It's emanating from me. There are many aspects of Brahman. Vadanti Supreme Absolute, a spiritual personality actually has three features. It's personal, the localized aspect as the super soul. That's a form, but it's there within every atom. Krishna's in every atom, and he's also within our hearts. It's an expansion of, of Krishna. And then there's the impersonal Brahman, like the effulgent rays. So just like the sun has different aspects, there are the rays of the sun, there's the form of the sun, and within the sun, there's actually the sun god, Vivashwan, from whose body the rays are emanating. So Sarvabhambacharya called his disciples and asked them to help bring him back to his home so he could uh, observe him and take him out of harm's way. So the disciples carried him along. Beautiful transcendental body. You can imagine walking through the streets of Puri with this body. And the Chaitanya Bhagavat described how like a line of ants would carry something, if you've ever seen them. So all these disciples lined up and they were carrying the beautiful body of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu back to the house of Sarvabhama Bhacharya. And there they uh, set him down in an uh, appropriate place. And uh, Gopinath Acharya, who knew of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, came there. And there was a conversation between Sarvabhambhacharya and Gopinath Acharya, who was a pure devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and knew about his godhood. So Sarvabhambhacharya was unconvinced that he was the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And Gopinath Acharya basically told him that's because you haven't received his mercy yet. And Soon after coming to that home, the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had arrived there and they uh, came, they traced out the steps of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asking what in the town of Puri what had happened, where he'd gone. And they chanted loudly when they met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he came back to external consciousness. And 
Sarvam Bhattacharya had taken a liking to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, attracted to this young sannyasi, and he had a fatherly-like approach. He said, uh, let me help you. I want to, first of all, bring you to a higher caste of sannyasis, because there are different levels of sannyas, and according to the uh, level, you take a particular name uh, that uh, designates you as a uh, higher or lower type of sannyasi, and Sarvambhacharya had uh, said, uh, let me initiate you, reinitiate you into a higher level of sannyas. And Gopinathacharya said, you don't know what you're talking about. This is the Supreme Personality of God at high, low. He may, <laughs> everything emanates from him. And me, nonetheless, Sarvambhacharya was eager to uh, educate this young man. And he thought, this is dangerous, actually. He took sannyas at 24. You're so beautiful. What's going to happen? This is for old people, actually, sannyas. Older, when everything's all uh, physically washed up and you're ready to just walk away from everything. This is the idea. Of course, Prabhupada, when asked by a professor of religion, why is it that you're giving sannyas to so many young people? And Prabhupada, uh, he, the professor said, it's, it's for old people. And Prabhupada said, what is your, your definition of old? And the man did, couldn't say anything. So Prabhupada said, old means about to die. He said, can you say that you're all any older or younger than any of them? Because nobody knows when they're going to die, right? So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sat with Sarvabhambacharya in a secluded place for 10 days. And Sarvabhama gave his commentaries on the Vedanta Sutra, one after another. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't say a word. Usually students will ask a question. Uh, well, sensei, what about this, that? But he didn't say anything. And after 10 days, Sarvabhambacharya became suspect. And he said, well, wait a minute. Are, are you actually hearing what I'm saying? Mahaprabhu said, yeah, I'm hearing it. He said, do you understand it? He said, well, I understand the Vedanta Sutra perfectly. I just... Uh, don't appreciate your commentaries because they're like clouds that are covering the real meaning. And meanwhile, here's this elderly, scholarly person and a young sannyasi who says this after 10 days of Sarvabhoma expounding on the philosophy of Vedanta. So he said, well, what is your explanation? And when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu began explaining the real meaning, according to Sambandha, Abhigaya, and Prayojana, then uh, the mind of Sarvabhamacharya was ca captivated. He also, in that, uh, in that meeting, uh, Mahaprabhu had asked Sarvabhamacharya to explain the Atmarama verse, which he did in three or four ways. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained it in multiple ways, not touching on the original points that Sarvabhama had made. And the combination of these uh, various commentaries that Mahaprabhu was giving had then touched the mind and heart of Sarvabhama in such a way that he had an experience that this is the Supreme Personality of God. Nobody can talk like this. No one can have such an intellect. And then when his mind and heart started to open, then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu revealed his form to Sarvabhambacharya. And in the Chaitanya Bhagavat version, it's mentioned that he says to him, do you still think 
then I need to be elevated to a higher level sannyasi. You think I'm not eligible for sannyasi? And he showed his uh, Narayan form to him. And in that place that's in Puri, there's actually, at least there used to be, it's, it's kind of a travesty. that Some of the original beautiful artwork, which is irreplaceable, has been painted over by these really uh, primitive kind of artwork, gaudy type of stuff. Um, in any case, we can still see pictures of the original artwork. And in that place, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu manifested his form of sadbuj to Sarvabhambacharya. That is the hands of Krishna. Then there's uh, Ramachandra with a bow and arrow. And then there's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with a water pot and a danda. Like that. One, two, three. And... Uh, after this, Sarvabhambacharya surrendered to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became his ardent follower. The next morning after this conversion, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had been early to the Jagannath temple and he was bringing some Mahaprasadam to the house of Sarvabhambacharya. Sarvabhambacharya had been a very strict follower of rules and regulations. One of those regulations is that if you rise from bed, you don't touch anything until you've taken a complete bath. And, and these are smart rules and regulations. But now his heart had changed. And when he saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu coming down the road, he uh, just got up from bed and ran out and immediately offered his Dandavada obeisances. And Mahaprabhu said, here's Mahaprasadam. And Sarvabhambacharya without considering taking a bath or doing anything, he just reached out his hand and he quoted, Nadesha niyamastata nakala niyamastatra praptamanam drutam shushter bhoktaram harirabhavit. That if Mahaprasadam, he found some Purana, if Mahaprasadam is brought from a distant place, if it's stale, dried, or in any condition of life, you should immediately honor it. So he took it. And Mahaprabhu was completely satisfied that now he's been transformed, his heart's uh, melted for Krishna. And Sarvabhambacharya wrote some verses to glorify Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And in fact, Ujvala Varana, Deham, that's written by Sarvabhambacharya. So that song, which is sung by many Vaishnavas, I've heard it in Vrindavan, people sing it all the time. And uh, and it's, a, it's an appropriate song to remember Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, especially in Puri, and uh, it describes his uh, beautiful form and all the features of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And of course, Sarvabhambacharya wrote these famous verses, Vairagya Vijanija Bhakti Yoga Shikshartameka Purusha Purana Shikrishya Chaitanya Sharira Dhari Kripambudir Yastapaham Prapadye. We could make a list of all these Kalan Nashtam Nijam Bhakti Yogam Ja Pradushkartam Shikrishna Chaitanya Nama. Avirbhutas tasya padar vinde gadam gadam liyatam chitchabringa. These verses, he extols Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as uh, the one coming to teach bhakti, including uh, knowledge and detachment from the world for the sake of performing pure devotional service, and that uh, one should be like a, a honeybee to drink up the, the nectar that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is distributing, and so forth. So Sarvabhambacharya then, uh, one day after this incident, was studying Srimad Bhagavatam in a new light. 
he was now a pure devotee and he was looking at one of the verses, which is one of the most famous verses of the Bhagavatam, which is 10.14.8. And that says, Tatenu kampamsu samikshamanu bunjane evatma kritam vibhakam tadvagvapur so when he heard this verse again, now from the Bhagavatam, with the new way of looking at, at the world, with the love of Krishna in his heart, he heard these words of mukti pade. And the word mukti uh, is abhorrent, as uh, our Tejas likes to point out in the last couple youth jams, he's quoted verses uh, from how... Devotees don't like mukti. This idea of merging into the Lord or even being liberated, they're like, I don't want to be liberated. And then we have Prabhupada Saraswati, where he says that Bhaktis Twai Stirataya Bhagavindi Syad Kaivain Kai Nat Paritid Krishna Daiva Murti Mukti Swayam. He says, uh, sorry, I mangled the verse. It'll come back to me later. That uh, those who take the bhakti don't have to endeavor for liberation because she stands outside. She's got folded hands. She's waiting outside the residence of the, of the pure devotee saying, how can I serve you? Dharmarta kama. Uh, and all the other goals, so-called goals of, of uh, life, that uh, dharma, artha, kama, and what to speak of moksha, they're all available to the devotee who takes devotional service. Vedeshu yageshu tapasu chaiva, daneshu yat punya palam pratishtam adyeti sarvam idam baditvam, yogis ramstanam upaiti chajam. I missed the word. So the... the uh, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, you, 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 if you just surrender to me, uh, do devotional service, you won't be bereft of anything. And devotees don't even want liberation because the devotional service is so sweet. And they can do it anywhere, in heaven or hell. There's, it's, it's equal to them. They just want to be engaged in Krishna's service. That's it. So Sarvabhambacharya brought this conundrum to Shaitanya Mahaprabhu and said, Muktipati, I'm going to change the Bhagavatam. He said, this is the, uh, the, the mood that he took up. Like, ah, I don't like this mukti. It shouldn't be in the Bhagavatam. We should change it. Brahma shouldn't have said that. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, calm down. <laughs> New converts. <laughs> they, get all, they get all excited. So <laughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, there's another way. Mukti Padi also means uh, the lotus feet of Krishna. And so, actually, we're taking shelter of Krishna's lotus feet, which provide mukti, because his name is Mukunda anyway. So don't worry. Everything can be uh, accommodated. Uh, the Bhagavatam can't be changed anyway. Uh, Prabhu. So, <laughs> so we could see uh, in Puri, all these churnings of, of pure devotional service take place. It's, it's the place where... Chaitanya Mahaprabhu goes to the Gambira. Gambira means uh, deep. He goes deep into devotional service. There's a way that in the first portion of his life, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a great scholar. He showed his learning, and he was arrogant. He used to just love going around and, and tearing people, people to pieces philosophically. He'd mean, come on, 
tell me something. Tell me whatever. You know, whatever they tell me. They say, nah, and tear it apart. And they say, wow, that's amazing. He goes, it was wrong. I'll tell you something else. And he would twist people around and, and just be- bewilder their minds. He was such a great scholar. In fact, by the time he was just uh, barely a teenager, he had his own college. He was like the, the dean. Everyone wanted to be in his school. And when the Keshava Kashmiri, the greatest scholar of India who was defeating everyone by the power of Saraswati, came to Navadweep, uh, everybody left. Because I was like, I got to go. I think my mom called me for, to make some paratha. And they took off and uh, went to a different state because they didn't want to be called upon by the Keshava Kashmiri who would just slice them up. And then it's like, see, you're not a Bhattacharya. And, but Chait, but Nimai Pandit stayed purposefully, and there he was. He set the whole scene by being surrounded by his students. He was the sinosure of, the, of, of everyone but his students. They loved him so much, and they, were, they had encircled him on the bank of the Ganga. Uh, the, the light was hitting him in a particular way. He was so beautiful. And when Keshava Kashmiri came into town, he had his elephants. And, you know, he's so proud because this is what happens when you become competitive and you have some material skill and you think, oh, I, I'm really something. You lose your perspective. That's why Kunti Devi says, for, for to be perfectly uh, connected to Krishna and bhakti, should be akinshana. It's like, I don't have any qualification. And the more one makes advancement in devotional service, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said when he listed the symptoms of bhava, there's nine of them altogether, shantir avyarta kalatvam, starting with, he says, the person feels less and less qualified as he becomes more and more advanced in devotional service. And so this very conceited scholar came in and he, he saw Nimai Pandit, whom he had heard of. And then Nimai Pandit baited him and said, why don't you, you're so great. Let's hear some of your poetry. Just tell us some verses. So the Pandit then composed there without pen and paper, no computer, no dictionary, just from his brain. He composed a hundred verses on the spot and just said them. And then everyone stood back in awe because he recited them, not recited them, he just composed them and spoke them like the blowing wind. And then Nimai Pandit, glorified him and said, this is amazing. And then he became more puffed up. And he said, but, and whenever you hear that word, after somebody appreciates you, it erases everything. <laughs> One of the nicest people I ever met, you're really smart. And actually everything you do is amazing. But, <laughs> what do you mean but? And for somebody who's actually uh, relishing their own expertise and thinking, I am somebody really great. And especially if it's a younger person, says, but, then immediately the lights come on. And it's like, what are you talking about, but? There is no but when it comes to me. I know everything. I'm perfect. And whatever I said was perfect. And uh, Nimai pointed out, well, let's analyze it. And, well, how are we going to do that? He just spoke them 
spontaneously, extemporaneously, then Nimai picked out two verses. And the scholar was already on his heels because he said, wait a minute, how did you do that? I spoke those like the blowing wind. And Nimai said, it's no big deal. He said, some people are expert in grammar, other people know how to do composition. It's just something I was born with. I just remember stuff, that's all. They call me a shruti dar. I don't even know what it is. It's just, uh, you know, it's a habit I have. So he was keeping low key with the scholar. And then systematically he mentioned in the verses uh, the aspects that were faulty. He had made some redundancy mistake that, that it was ambiguous about Lord Shiva. And the scholar was, he was, his mind began to swim. He wanted to say something to defend himself, but he couldn't say anything. Now, he, he had a deity, uh, Saraswati, who's the goddess of learning, and he prayed to her every day, did worship for her. And she pretty much guaranteed him that anywhere you go, I'll be there with you, and we'll just fly, and you don't have to worry about a thing. But now, suddenly, it all stopped. It all stopped working. He couldn't get anything. Have you ever had that happen? You're preparing, and you think, like, wait till they see this. And then, you know, I'm going to you know, really show them something, and all of a sudden, nah, 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 nothing comes out. And so he was humiliated, and some of Mahaprabhu's students began to chuckle because you know, the guy comes in and he's trying to make a show and then it's kind of like one of those things where the, the uh, David beats Goliath and they were giddy. And it was like, ha ha ha. And Mopper was, no, he was very serious. Don't laugh. He's a great scholar. He stopped them from laughing. And the scholar went to his encampment and that night he had a dream and Saraswati appeared to him and said, actually, you've met my deity. Although I'm your deity, you met my master and your master as well, Nimai Pandit. She revealed to him that actually uh, that's the Lord. And he said, she said to him that I couldn't speak in front of him. What can I say? He's my master too. And when the Keshava Kashmiri awoke, he, he had one thought in his mind. I have to go surrender to Nimai Pandit to to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he went back there to where Mahaprabhu was staying and he offered his dandavats. And Mahaprabhu said, what are you doing? I'm just a kid. You're a scholar. And the Keshava uh, Kashmiri Pandit said, no, no, I understand. Uh, you're my master. I'm surrendering unto you. And Mahaprabhu then empowered his heart with devotional service. From that day, Keshav Kashmiri went alone. Mostly people like Nadanam Janam Nasundarim. They want followers. Like, hey, where is everybody? I'm here, you know, follow along with me. But he didn't want anybody anymore. That's how his heart had changed. The elephant's gone. They just like take him back, repossess everything. I don't need anything more. I'm just going to wander and be a devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He gave up his. Uh, combative spirit of going around and challenging everybody and just began to chant the devotional mantras and take shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very kind to everybody and when he 
finished that chapter in Navadweep. He then uh, did some preaching in South India. He had gone from Puri down to South India. And then at a particular time, Advaita Acharya, who is the one, as we know, who called Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to come into the world, to make his descent, to purify the world of all the nonsense that was going on. People were worshiping all kinds of uh, weird deities they made up. They were spending all their money on ostentatious weddings and uh, events just to show their wealth. And um, Advaita Acharya just was pining for the Lord, praying that he would come and spread bhakti so people could be, uh, again, rectified. So <laughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came. He took sannyas. He lived in Puri. He went to South India. He came back. He made many devotees. He sent Nityananda Prabhu off to, uh, to Bengal to s spread the movement and made so many devotees here, there, and everywhere. Wherever he traveled, he went to Vrindavan. When leaving Vrindavan, he made devotees. Even from the Patan Muslims, they saw Mahaprabhu. They heard him speak. They said, okay, I'm your disciple. And he just initiated him right there. He gave him new names. And he did that here, there, and everywhere. And then Advaita Acharya sent him a note saying, okay, you're done. You can, you can go back. And he did it in an oblique way, saying that actually there's no more demand for rice in the marketplace. And Mahaprabhu said, okay, I understand. And Surabdhamara also understood, but he said, what does it mean? It struck their hearts, uh, like his heart, like a thunderbolt. This means Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is going to change and go into a different mode and maybe wrap up his pastimes here in this world. And Mahaprabhu did. He then retired. He went in Puri into the Gambira. It's a room there in Puri, just a small room where he did his uh, constant remembrance of Krishna. And the way he did that was in the association of Surup Damodar and um, Ramananda Roy, who stayed with him constantly, Lalita Vishaka, and reminded him of uh, the Vrindavan pastimes by singing songs by Jayadev and from the Gita Govinda. And that's how Mahaprabhu would merge into his ecstasies by hearing their songs and uh, deeper and deeper, something that uh, could not be understood by the outside world. Therefore, he stayed in a secluded place and performed his pastimes there. He had many pastimes in Puri at the Tota Gopinath, which is a temple we'll also go to in Jagannath Puri, where Tota Gopinath was discovered and there's gardens there. And Mahaprabhu was digging one day and he found some deity. And then he gave those deities to Gadadhar Pandit to worship. Gadadhar Pandit was uh, in, in his leela of showing old age and it was hard for him to reach up, put the garlands on the deity. So one day he came back and they were sitting. So you'll see that they're, they're lower to the ground, easier for Gadadhar Pandit to put the garlands on. And also in that place, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at Tiltagopinath, at that place where the deities were established, he sat with Gadadhar Pandit uh, for hours every day, hours every day, and just heard Bhagavatam. And they would read the pastimes of Dhruva Maharaj and Prahlad Maharaj uh, hundreds of times. 
He, you hear him over and over again. It's a transcendental literature, so every time you hear it, it's ever fresh. It's never become old and hackneyed like uh, regular literature. And of course, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left Puri uh, to uh, go traveling, uh, Gadadhar Pandit wanted to come with him. But Gadadhar Pandit had already taken Shetra Sanyas. Shetra Sanyas, Prabhupada told Janani Vas and Pankajangri to take Shetra Sanyas, which means you dedicate your, yourself to one uh, deity in one place in, in, in a dom, and you stay there your whole life. You don't go off the premises. You just worship the deity. And so Gadadhar Pandit made that vow. But when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was leaving Puri to, to travel elsewhere, Gadadhar Pandit went with him. And he stayed a little bit at a distance, and Mahaprabhu kept telling him, what are you doing? Go back. And he said, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just over here, that's all. <laughs> I'm not going with you. I'm, I just happen to be over on this side. And when they got far enough away from Puri, Mahaprabhu confronted Gadadhar Pandit, who's actually the internal potency. Srimati Radharani, they have this intimate, loving relationship. And he said to him, now, listen, enough. You've already broken your vow. You go back. Don't, don't make it worse. And he told him, you have to go back now. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu turned around, got in a boat, and took off. And Gadadhar Pandit fainted in ecstasy, not in ecstasy, in separation. Of course, that's a kind of ecstasy. But he couldn't stay conscious without Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Nonetheless, he did go back and worship Totagopinath. Mahaprabhu later came back there. When he left his earthly pastimes, he left from Puri, merged into the deity of Totagopinath, and so did Gadadhar Pandit later. So all these uh, leelas go on in the Holy Dham, and we have that in the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita and the Chaitanya Bhagavat. Uh, when we hear about these uh, pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they're not only didactic, but they're also very attractive. So we can constantly hear about them and remember the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And we'll just take a few comments or questions. Prabhu. Excellent presentation, Maharaj. I was just, you know, listening to you and I was uh, thinking like how much you are relishing that Leela, that its nectar is coming out of your mouth. So while you were describing that pastimes of, you know, the Sharabhuji Leela, it struck me that there is a verse in that, you know, Shachi Shuta Astakam, it says, Dhito Koti Doro Kamandula Dandang Dibba Kalevara Mundita Vandang. And I always uh, thought about it that, where he saw Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with Danda and Kamandula, because Danda was broken by Lord Nithananda. He was not carrying Danda anymore. And Kamandula was always carried by some servant. Lord Chaitanya did not carry it personally. Like in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is described like that. But now when you were describing that Sharabhuja Murti, it came in my mind. Actually, he saw it in Sharabhuja because there Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is carrying both Danda and Kamandula together. So it makes sense that how he composed, when he composed that verse, how uh, he saw that form of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Nice. So I have another question, Maharaj. So that wasn't a question, though. 
No, that so was the comment go ahead. <laughs> that you know how it dispelled my yes, uh, yes. confusion. The second, uh, I have a question regarding that you know the giving sannyas to the higher order. So usually we see that you know sannyas is given by someone who is already in that ashram sannyasi. But in this case, Sarvamatacharya is telling that you are a Bharati Sampradaya, so you are a lower category. I will give you Saraswati or you know higher category sannyas. So how how that happens? Like you know how, how uh, someone who is not in that order himself, but he is giving someone that kind of sannyas. It's a good point, and I've never really looked into it, but it's not gone into specifically in that point. That question isn't raised, like how could Sarvabhoma uh, Bhattacharya uh, give sannyasa initiation? But you're right, usually it's a sannyasi who gives it, as far as I know. But we can look into that detail, mark it, and we'll check it out. I think it's very interesting. Okay, Chakadola. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Haribo. Guru Maharaj, I had two realizations. That uh, first, uh, how Krishna's plan can remove all of our sufferings. That uh, people go to different, different peoples to get their advice and uh, just to cure some of their suffering. But as Krishna is Supreme Personality of God and He has given us Bhagavad Gita, His Supreme Plan. And uh, by using that, we can remove all of our sufferings. And... Uh, Second, Guru Maharaj, you were uh, you were telling about the uh, constant remembrance about Krishna. From that, I recall the one verse that Yadanu Jasina Yukta Karam Granthi Nibandana Chindanti Kovidas Tasya Kona Kurya Tatha Yatharati. That uh, with the sword of knowledge, one can cut the uh, knots of fruitive uh, activities, and uh, and uh, and who will not take the interest in hearing about the uh, pastimes of Lord Krishna? Thank you. Thank you, Chakadola Prabhu, for always swimming in the nectar of the Shastra. So the first point, it's really nice to circle back to about plans. There's an old saying that the way to outsmart a genius is to have a better plan. Sometimes people are uh, obviously geniuses, but then they, they don't uh, have a good plan and perhaps they're dysfunctional as far as the world goes. I've seen people like that many times. But even if you're an ordinary of ordinary intelligence, if you adopt a better plan, if you have enough intelligence to figure out that there's a better plan, and you just follow that, then you become the greatest of all geniuses. That's the most intelligent thing you can do. Intelligent thing that you can do. And in the, Chait in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Rakshasim Asurim Chaiva. Last verse. Prakritim Mohitim Shrita. That there's a way. Moga means baffled. So bafflement comes to those who follow their own plan. As inextricably, somehow or other, inexplicably, somehow or other, our plans become. Uh, non-productive in the material world. We'll hit some kind of a, a snag and we have to change them. And we may uh, attain some kind of success from the plan that I thought I was following, but it always falls apart later on. Something's revealed that uh, ruins the, 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 um, the ultimate goal. However, if we sincerely try to follow Krishna's plans, even if we're imperfect in doing so, Krishna says, Apichet Sudracharo, Bajate Mama Nandyapak, Sadureva Samantavya, Samyag Vyavasitohisa. That even if you follow my plan, but you're imperfect at doing it, still 
you're the best and you're going to have success ultimately. So it's, it's an important point because devotional service is simple. It means to find out to the best of your ability what Krishna wants you to do and then just do that. And if you try to do that, even though you're not good at it in the beginning, you still come to the perfect stage. Narada Muni confirms that if you try to follow Krishna's plan and you give up some of the other plans everybody has for you in this world, it's like, okay, Shniki. Here's how it's going to work. You're going to be a doctor. You're, you know, like, we want you to be a lawyer. You understand? And, you know, you're, you're following whatever dharma you were born into. You have to do this. You have to be a good uh, rice grower or whatever. But then you say, nah, I think I'll just follow Krishna's program. That doesn't preclude being a lawyer, doctor, or a rice grower. But the idea is that if you take to the path of devotional service, and you leave behind the intense um, practice to try to make things perfect in the material world, even if you fall away from the devotional path, he says, patet, you fall back down again because you were apakva, you weren't ready for it. He said, that's better than you got really good at your material plan because that's definitely going to fall apart without question. So this is the mood of bhakti that... The, the material world is unpredictable. The uh, plans we come up with in the material world don't work. And even if they do, then at the end, it's almost worse because then you realize that you can't keep what you got. So better to just be a devotee and follow Krishna's plan. And then, yad anudyasina yukta karma granti nibandhanam chindanti kovidas tasya kona kuryat kataratim. The verse that Chakadola Prabhu just quoted from. What's the number? One, two, fifteen. Fifteen? Nineteen. Nineteen. One, two, fifteen. Fifteen. One, two, fifteen. One, two, fifteens. Yet anudyasina yukta karma granti nibandanam. So there's a karma granti that we're born into, this hard knot, which. It's because of our associations with the material world of so many lifetimes. And it's impossible to untie. Chindanti kovidas tasya. But those who are kovida, those who are intelligent, they cut that knot with a sword of practicing devotional service. Hearing about Krishna, it cuts the knot. So one becomes freed from the material world. Okay, now there's a couple more on the board and then we'll come back to you. Okay. Rasheshwari Leela. Hare Krishna. Good to see you there in Vrindavan. <laughs> Thank you, Maharaj. Yes. Uh, you've taken us to uh, Jagannath Puri this morning. I'm very, very grateful to you because since, you know, the Yatra has been announced, I've just been praying how to enter this uh, dham. I've had the chance to go to Govardhan with you, but um, I'm really looking forward that, you know, we can enter the dham with you. And thank you so much for just giving us that taste this morning. It's it's just um, brought me so many revelations. I was, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, I can't decide where to begin. Um, 
but I'm just so grateful that uh, you know you allowed us to enter the dham through your you know wonderful experience and uh, realizations and um, I just want to go back and hear this lecture again and again. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is that Govardhan behind you there? Yes. So it's the Parikram Mark. It's so peaceful, right. nice. You know, you can just get out and walk and then all your troubles are gone. <laughs> you just walk around Govardhan and you see that beautiful path back there. It goes through all these little forests and uh, you get to see different darshans of, of Govardhan and you just walk and walk and the atmosphere there is divine. It's, uh, you hear just uh, peacocks and then you hear a lot of parrots and then you hear sometimes around Diwali a lot of explosions. But even those, I don't know, there's something about the ether there that's like, ah. So, um, yeah, going to the Dham, it's, uh, it's one of our practices to live in the Dham, to meditate on the Dham. And it's important to go there if possible. It's not necessary, but if possible, if it's available and you can go and actually feel what it's like to roll it in the dust there, to walk around, just to see things, some impression uh, will come into the heart, uh, come into your heart by being there, especially if you're careful. Just be open, non-envious. Don't go there for any profit motive. It's like, I'm going to go there uh, to enrich myself. I'm just going to go there to, to serve the Dham and to, to hear Bhagavatam in the Dham. And then if you go there like that, then you'll get some impression, a little gift you take home, and then you'll, you'll be chanting Japa one day anywhere, and suddenly you'll think, oh, I miss the Dham. I wish I was there. And then this begins our relationship with that because it's a transcendental embassy from the spiritual world. And we, we should try to approach it either through remembering it, hearing about it from here, or from time to time going there and doing some service for a few days, and then bringing those impressions back from the Dom. Yeah, I remember the time we, went, we, we walked around the whole of Govardhan Hill, right, one morning. Yes, Maharaj. Yeah. I think we did it twice, right? Not in the same day, but two separate occasions. That's right. Very memorable. Okay, thank you very much, Rishesha Lila. And then we, pardon me? Okay. Tadiya Seva Prabhu? Maharaj, um, I was um, contemplating today on a verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. <clears throat> I mean, yesterday and also a little bit today. Um, it's about the, uh, it says, Pumsastu Stri Maituni Bhavam. Ato Gruhak Shetra Suta Apta Vitair Janasya Mohoyam Aham Mameti. So it's basically talking about the attraction between the male and the female in this material world. And it says that this attraction expands into Suta, his children, Apta, then relatives, and then Vitair for money. I was just thinking, you know, the majority of the population in this world, you know, more or less is working for their children, you know, their relatives and their, you know, for making money, in the, you know, maintaining bank balance. And uh, I was wondering, you know, these people are wasting their lives. So it is, um, so that we can see that 95% of the population is simply wasting their lives, you know, 
is is wasting their lives in this in these efforts so only very rare souls have the opportunity to become devotees i think um, you know isn't it isn't it a big trap that this material world has put for the conditioned souls in the form of uh, attraction to wife children and relatives and money Yes. Pumsastriya maitani bhavamitam tayomitur hridaya grantamahu. So, because in the spiritual world there's attraction between male and female, and that's between Radha and Krishna. That's Krishna's, he's the energetic, and Radharani is the energy. And there's an eternal. Uh, relationship between the two radha krishna pranaya vikritir ladini shakti rasmat ekat manab api buvipura deha bedam gatautel chetanyakyam prakadamadana tadvayam chaikyam aptam radha bhava duty suvalitam naomi krishna surupam so the 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 two transcendentalists radha and krishna are eternally uh, two they're one person but they've divided into two and they have these, this eternal, ever-increasing loving relationship in the spiritual world, which is the point of attraction for everyone. It's completely satisfying to hear about, to see, to remember, to participate in the um, loving affairs between Radha and Krishna. And this is what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is. And by hearing about this, by remembering it, by chanting about it, which is what we do when we say Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. We're remembering the Leela of, of, Lord, of Lord Krishna and Radharani, uh, the, the two uh, uh, who are eternally in a loving relationship. And Vikriditam Vrajava Dubirhamcha Vishnu, Shadhan Vitona Shrinuyad Atavarna Yedyad. Bhakti Param Bhagavati Prati Labhyakamam Hrid Rogam Ashwapahinotya Charina Dhiraha. The Srimad Bhagavatam says, if you become absorbed in this, this is reality. And your mind uh, and heart will become purified of the propensity to become attached to the, f the reflection of this. The reflection is what, of that Leela is what we get in the material world. When we see this idea, Seems like a good idea, right? Seems like a good idea. Doesn't it? Yeah, everyone's convinced that it's like, yeah, this is a good idea. Male, female, let's get together. So that this is what's happening. That's what drives the economy. There would be no Home Depot without it. It all goes on because this attraction between male and female, where does it come from? Trace it out. It comes from Radha and Krishna. This is the Adiras or the original a feeling of love between male and female. Now, when you transfer it to the reflection of the material world, it becomes a great source of misery. And someone may say, no, I don't believe you. It's like, okay, go ahead. You just test it out. Hlada Tapatraya, Jiva Goswami says, what is fully blissful and enlivening and, and always increasing in happiness in the spiritual world, Hare Krishna, Radha and Krishna together, 
in the material world, it's just the opposite. It's the source of all misery. So that's hard to understand unless you know that it's a reflection. And therefore, the cause of weakness of heart is this fake-out that happens when one looks at the world and said, no, no, it's here, it's real, and this attraction, this is real love. And because I don't know uh, the origin of it, and I don't know the difference between one and the other. Therefore, Krishna says, nasato vitite bhavo, na bhavo vitite sata, ubariyar apidushnon tas tvadarshiti. Study the categories of energy more carefully, sir, because there you'll find out that there's something that always persists. It's, all, it's always there. It's real. It's eternal. And you could take shelter of it. And there's something else called the shadow reflection. That's the uh, reflected image of that reality that's the material world. And there you will never get shelter, ever. And not only that, you'll be so bewildered by it that uh, you'll um, be unhappy. And you'll suffer because of it. So the real trick is to find out what is reality and to see that this is a reflected, reflected image, the material world of the spiritual world. Now, when you get to the philosophy of the Srimad... Can you fish out my glasses? <laughs> Thank you. Then we find that householder life is not disparaged at all. In fact, in... in uh, <coughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, most of his uh, pure devotees are grihastas. They live in houses and they have pots and pans. And you'll find also in Vraja, Vraja Leela, in the spiritual world, in Goloka, most people are grihastas. That's what society generally is. However, we'll find this verse in the 10th canto, 14th chapter, 36th verse that says, that's 10, 14, 36 for those who are keeping score at home. Hey, that was good. Here we have Tavat. This is Brahma speaking still in 10, 14. Tavat Raga Dayastinas. Tavat Kara Graham Graham. Tavan Mohon Gring Nigado. Yavat Krishna Natejanaha. And here you have your word for word for the day. Tavat for that long. Raga Adaya material attachment and so on. Stena, stena, thieves, tavat for that long. Karagraham, a prison. Graham, one's home. Tavat for that long. Moha, the bewilderment of family affection. Ungri, upon their feet. Nigada, shackles. Yavat, as long as Krishna, O Lord Krishna, na, do not become te, your devotees, jana, any persons. And the translation, the reveal is, my dear Lord Krishna, until people become your devotees, their material attachments and desires remain thieves, their homes remain prisons, and their affectionate feelings for their family members remain foot shackles. So here's the uh, purport. Apparently the residents of Vrindavana, the abode of Lord Krishna, are simple householders engaged in ordinary affairs, such as herding cows, cooking, rearing children, and performing religious ceremonies. However, all these activities are intensely engaged in the loving service of Lord Krishna. The residents of Vrindavan perform all activities in pure Krishna consciousness and thus exist the, on the most exalted platform of liberated life. Otherwise, the same activities performed without Krishna consciousness constitute ordinary bondage to the material world. 
Thus, one should not misunderstand the exalted position of the residents of Vrindavan, nor should one consider oneself highly religious simply uh, because one performs ordinary domestic affairs very enthusiastically, but without Krishna consciousness. By focusing our passionate attachment on our family and society, we are completely deviated from the progressive path of Krishna consciousness. Conversely, if we engage our family in the loving service of the Lord, our endeavors to maintain our family become part and parcel of our progressive spiritual duties. In conclusion, by studying the extraordinary status of the residents of Vrindavan, we can see that the essential quality of their lives is pure Krishna consciousness. The rendering of loving service to the Lord without a trace of material desire or mental speculation. Such loving service to the original personality of God it immediately creates the atmosphere of Sri Vrindavan Dham, the kingdom of God. So uh, we're not left hanging as the Ganis are who say, I, I am renouncing the material world. I won't touch anything here because I'll become contaminated and I won't be able to realize my godhood and so forth. But as the Bhagavatam also uh, states, yet pada pankacha palasa vilasya bhakta, karmashrayam gratitam udgratayanti santa, tadvanna rikta matayo yatayopi rudha shrotoganas tamarlambaja vasudevam. Those who just try to withhold their senses from the sense objects. And there are lots of ways that you can uh, become militant and then declare war against your senses. For instance, how many of you would like to just sleep on the bare floor every day? Raise your hand. Malini would like it. You like that? Just the bare floor? Okay, how many of you would just like to have some uh, soaked, let's say barley soaked in the urine of a calf? That's what you could have every day for... Bharat had that Well, Ram was in the forest for 14 years, right? You can have that? Because you want to sleep on the floor. I thought maybe you'd go for it. <laughs> they go out of their way. In fact, some of the Catholic mystics, they used to do things like they wear a horsehair shirt. This is the most aggravating. If you've ever had like any little thing, some you know thread out of place or something on your shirt, it's like, eh, I can't get comfortable. They would go out of their way to wear a shirt made of horsehair. And it's scratched, you know, all day long, just so they could rise above their bodies and so forth. These measures aren't necessary. We're looking for tapodivyam putrakayena satvam, which means devotional austerities, everything connected to Krishna. And when we engage everything in Krishna's service, modern day, we walk into any devotee's abode, whether it's an apartment, a townhouse, a big, huge house, whatever it is, it's all the same. It's all the same when you close your eyes at night. You can't see the thing. So once you get in there, the main thing is, where's the Bhagavatam set? Where's Bhagavatam Chaitanya Charitam? First question you ask, where is it, right? You go into one house, come over, have some paratha, little, you know, chutney. I must be getting hungry. And then, <laughs> and then you go in, and it's like, where's Prabhupada's books? And it's like, I think I got a stomachache. I got to go. So I can't stay. That happened to me once in Vrindavan. I said, come on, we're going for lunch. I get in there. It's like, where's the books? Where's the deities? Where's the, where's the, well, they don't have that. It's like, I feel sick. I got to go. I hear my mom calling me. She wants a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'll be back later, which is never. 
So, you know, we look, and then where's the first place we go? We look for the altar. And what's the first thing that a Vaishnava looks for? I'm getting a new apartment. It's like, where's the altar going to go? That's the big question. The books will go here, altars here, uh, then we're okay. And that's true. So we have to center everything around Krishna in our lives. And then it's blissful because then you've got facility to, to spread Krishna consciousness. The more the merrier. Uh, kids are the, the joy, uh, uh, become the joy of our life that they're, you know, becoming Krishna consciousness, Krishna conscious. They spread it all over the world and uh, everything's fine. Otherwise, foot shackles. Okay, now we're going down to Mysore. Dandat Pranam Guru Maharaj, all the rest Maharaj, this past time that you talked of Keshav Kashmiri, that made me think that, um, see, this uh, Vedic literature, Shastras are given by Krishna to liberate us, right, from this material world. And uh, you also mentioned how by reading it repeatedly, this is transcendental literature, you get new realizations. But uh, I was just thinking how the same um, reading can make someone a pure devotee and the same reading can make someone puffed up, like how Kishore Kashmiri became, right? So there should be something more than the Vedic literature reading by itself. Is it the attitude or what exactly is it that determines that by re reading it multiple times, you get new realizations and you do not get puffed up, if you could... I like that. That's an excellent point. I'm glad you brought up the topic. Attitude is everything. Prabhupada brings this up in the preface to the Upadeshamrita. He said it's the attitude of the follower that will determine his or her progress in devotional service. Attitude is important. You'll find in the case of Tapanamishra. Tapanamishra was a great scholar. He knew everything. T.M. Tapanamishra. Too many books he had. And... In that section, uh, there's a verse that says, uh, don't become a bookworm. Don't read too many books. The attitude sometimes is, uh, I'm reading all these things because then I'll have an edge. And when I speak, I'm going to have something nobody else has. And, uh, you know, it's like they may say, but I'm going to bring out something else, a different opinion from another Shastra. You get into this mood of one-upsmanship in Shastra. This is the wrong attitude. The the um, Prabhupada used to say that we only need a few books. You just need the Bhagavatam, the Chaitanya Charita, Nectar Devotion. They're like, nah, that's not enough. I got to have more. I'm going to Low Bazaar. I'll load up a rickshaw full of books. And Prabhupada once said, he noted, he said, I, this process is so simple, chant Hare Krishna. You know, if you can actually discipline yourself to sit down for longer and longer periods of time and hear the holy name and chant with feeling, even if it's for 10 seconds, I mean, in the span of chanting at least 16 rounds, then you'll attain perfection in life. But he said, he didn't say all that, I just, that was my commentary. But he said, I noticed that, and it's in a purport, that my disciples, they, it's a simple process, chant Hare Krishna, but they're collecting so many austere books. Austere means like I'm, I'm not actually getting any nectar from them. It's satisfying this need I have to know everything. 
Of course, it's not bad to be well-read. One should be, and we should know all the relevant scriptures. We should be Shastra Sunipuna, that we know how everything connects together, what the Vaishnav canon is, what the various opinions of the Acharyas are. That's okay. But if we become bookworms and read too many things, then we become confused, like Taparamishra. And then he didn't know the goal of life, so he was in a little bit of a depression. He was praying for help, and then he had a demigod-like person, like a Gandharva, very beautiful, appeared to him in a dream and said, you need to meet Nimai Pandit, who's right now in East Bengal. So he came, woke from his dream. He happened to go to the Ganga, and when he was there, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was there. And so he submitted himself to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and said, I don't know what to do. I've read too many books. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, Chant Hare Krishna, go to Vinaras. <laughs> and he, uh, he gave him the specific purpose behind the Shastras to worship Krishna, to chant Hare Krishna. So we should read in a devotional mood and look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's example. He heard uh, the pastime of Dhruva Maharaj, Prahlad Maharaj, over and over again. You can read the Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita many, many times, and there's always a new meaning that comes out. So we should read, but with the purpose of... There's a couple purposes. Prabhupada said, you know, know enough verses from the Bhagavad Gita that you can teach it in public and be authoritative. You know where everything is. So he told my godbrother Madhavananda Prabhu, I have to confirm this, but I think he told me years ago that uh, like 40 or 60 verses, if you know, from the Gita, well, then you can present Bhagavad Gita anywhere you go. And he said that would be good for you to do that. And also, if you become well acquainted, Prabhupada liked it if we specialize in one book. Know all of them, but he said, know something about everything and everything about something. And so in the Shastra, he liked it when devotees became very much acquainted with a particular book. Of course, you can move on and become acquainted with all of them. But if you pick from here and there and cherry pick, just so you can have this sense of, I know more than everybody else, that's the wrong attitude. And it doesn't help us to advance in devotional service. So one shouldn't become a book, bookworm. In fact, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, as you'll find in the Sri Bhakti Siddhanta Vaibhav, didn't allow his uh, students, his disciples, to keep a library in their rooms for this very purpose. He, he, he didn't want them to, uh, apparently, you know, get into that mood. Although he did ask them to study specific philosophies and compare them to, uh, to uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism so they could present it in public and uh, give people siddhanta in articles and in, in uh, public speeches. I hope that helps, but uh, main thing is we don't know all the books. I mean, if you just make it a, if you just make it your life's goal to get a PhD in the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Chaitanya Charmita, you're not going to come to the end of it in this lifetime. Especially if you take a little time to read Druva and Prahlad a hundred times each. <laughs> and you memorize a few chapters, you know, you know all the verses and this one and that one. Just because, you know, if, if you go deeply within just what we have, then you'll know, you'll know enough to go back to Godhead for sure. And you say, okay, there's 
more cantos in the higher planets. That's in Tefasandarbha. 12 cantos, okay? Go to a higher planet, you can get thousands of cantos. And we can imagine if we get those shipped here and how that's going to be taking them door to door. <laughs> okay, you want the Bhagavatam set? That'll cost you $10 million, plus you have to move out of your house because <laughs> there's no place to put them. So there's always more that we can go into, but take what we have. So Prabhupada made this point. He said, assimilate what you have first. He said, that's my point. You can read previous acharyas, but assimilate what you have first. Did you learn the Gita even? How about the Sri Shapanishad or Upadeshamrita? Those are low-hanging fruits. And uh, if you haven't taken advantage of that, but you like to pick and choose from like, well, I know this, I know that, then you may uh, not be going deeply within the devotional mood of the Shastras. Okay. Prabhu, you had a point? Yes. The clock's running down. And I'll keep my answers shorter. Uh Proji, very small thing like I like the verse which Proji mentioned on Zoom. So, ko uh, tasya, uh, right? So with a sword of knowledge, uh, we cut down all the karma uh, grandis. So in that Proji, in that uh, uh, I just remember one class which uh, Radhishambhu shared. So on this verse, so he was telling that so by the sword of knowledge we definitely cut down, but to lift that sword we need the bala, the power, and that comes from Balram. And like in our life, like how we see it comes from Guru and all our, like, uh, like uh, the, in our life, the Acharyas, uh, the Siksha Gurus and Diksha Guru. So by serving them, those, uh, the, the, that sort of knowledge we can lift. And the meaning is that uh, we get realization from like whatever knowledge we get. That become realization by serving the great soul. And then that actually cut down our attachments uh, in, the, in this world, basically. Yeah. As Shastra says, Yasya Devi para bhaktir yata devi tata garao tasyaite katitahyarta prakashanti mahatmanaha. Only unto those who have implicit faith in the Guru and in Krishna simultaneously, uh, to those, uh, the imports of the Vedic knowledge are revealed. And um, also, Nayamatma pravachanena labhyona medhayana bahunashutena mami vaisha vrinute tenas. Which means that you may become very expert in this or that. Like you're the smartest person who ever lived, or you know, uh, you can speak better than everybody else, and uh, so forth. He said, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get bhakti. Because, first of all, bhakti doesn't come from any material endeavor or expertise, it comes from. Uh, Krishna, whomever he chooses. Nonetheless, uh, your point is valid and it's very important. Now, Prabhupada emphasized, you know, like, as a disciple, I went and sat in front of Prabhupada in San Francisco and he said, you must also read my books. So then when that order comes, then you have to read them. Uh, that's part of the order. And he said it to everybody, actually, read my books. So then, it, yes, we get the bala from from the from the guru, who's a representative of Baladev. But then, what did he say? How do you get it? Read the books. That's important a point also. But it, it requires this. Uh, um, it, it's it's not a material endeavor. It's not intellectual, but it has to do with 
you know, devotional connection, as you're saying, to the, to the internal energy. Prabhu, please give this devotee a microphone. Prabhu, even after one has some understanding of uh, the scriptures, the pull of maya and, and our own desires and needs, they pull you back and it kind of it becomes difficult to get out of uh, that attachment and other things. So how does one weaken that hold and progress in, on the spiritual path? It's very important to have a clear Shastric knowledge, as we heard from the verse. And as you indicated, and others, that as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Gyanagni Sarvakaramanam Basmasat Kuruteta, that just as a fire burns to ashes, unlimited wood supplied to it, so similarly, a spiritual knowledge burns all the karma up. How does it do that? Because we're compelled by the previous impressions that we have within our heart to act in a certain way. That's what it means to follow Maya's path that I follow my crab-like thing, own path. There is no own path. That's Maya's path that she gave you a little chit and said, here's what you do today. And it's like, okay, whatever you say. But um, this is um, something we're forced into right now because of what we did before. Like people uh, act in a certain way and they think, this is my idea that I like country and Western music. It's not your idea. Well, it is your idea, but it, it's, it's an imposition on, on you from your previous experiences. It's not free choice. So when one gets spiritual knowledge, it burns up that uh, nature or the, the way that we're impelled to act in a certain way, and we can rise to higher ground. So Krishna says at the end of the third chapter, when he's answering Arjuna's questions, how do we overcome these unreasonable material desires that force us to do things we don't want to do? And Krishna says, evam buddhiparam buddhva samstabhyatmanamatmana jahishatram mahabaho kama rupam durasadam. He says, you have to fortify your, your intelligence. And when your intelligence becomes fortified, it becomes the ruler of your of the hierarchy of the mind and the senses. And if you can't depend on your buddhi when you're a soul and it gets contaminated and taken over, then you're finished because you're just using your intelligence to become duskriti. Kriti means expert and du means bad. So you're really good at doing bad things, which is modern society. It's like they're really good at everything, but it's bad. It's, it's uh, wrong-headed. Uh, people have the wrong ideas. So when we get clear spiritual knowledge from Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, then the, int our intelligence becomes fortified and we're able to make really good decisions. And not only that, Krishna says, Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam pritipurvakam dadami buddhiyogam tam that if you're devotional, if you try to serve me with love, even if you're not so good at Shastra or you don't like to read or you don't even, like, I, I don't even have a guru. Uh, if you're sincere and you try, then Krishna from within the heart, he'll give you intelligence. He's so liberal. He just wants to help everybody. So he gives the intelligence how to overcome the obstacles of the material world. So we're never without help. Krishna is always helping us from within the heart. 
But Prabhupada said, God helps those who help themselves. He said, helping oneself means putting oneself in front of transcendental sound vibration. So we have to develop our intelligence to know the difference between uh, listening to uh, the vibration of the material world, some kind of, um, I don't know, I don't want to sing any songs here, but then there's that, like, and then, then you have uh, the sound vibration of the spiritual world. And they, if you tr check them out side by side, they have very different quality. And if, to the contaminated mind and senses, like, oh, let me listen to this. But as we become purified by hearing transcendental sound vibration, touching the Dom, associating with pure devotees, we start to develop a taste for it. And we think like, no, I like this better. That's when we start to come over to the safe side. And when we get some ruchi, it's like in the beginning, we're pushing a, a big boulder up, up a hill. And when it gets to the top, and then it's going down the other side, it starts to roll. It starts to roll down, and it, now... Dull, it's dull. So, or something. So, uh, we have to come to the safe side. And we need to fortify our intelligence and take advantage of Shastra. And then we'll come to the stage of Ruchi. Okay, last quick two. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Um, thanks for this wonderful class. Um, A little closer. Can I? Yeah. I had the fortune of, uh, of, of going to Jagannath Puri and, and uh, Gambira, this, this God Purnima. And uh, I, so, so, I mean, I was really missing your association. I mean, you weren't there at that time. So, uh, I mean, but, but thanks a lot for making my trip complete by revealing all these amazing pastimes. I had a question. I mean, this is probably my fourth or fifth time in Jagannath Puri. And luckily, I was able to overlook, you know, the outside external coverings, which is present in a lot of dams. My question is not regarding what to do when you have those coverings, but my question is more like, why do you have those coverings in the in the holy dams, like especially in Vrindavan and Jagannath Puri especially, actually? Um, so if you could, like, if you so desire, you could just talk about it. We don't see the world the way uh, it is. We see the world the way we are. Uh, we filter everything through our minds. And therefore, in the Sri Brahma Samhita, Brahma says, Premanjana Churita Bhakti Vilochenena, Santaksadeva Hurdayeshu Vilokayanti, Yam Shama Sundarama Chinta Gunasurupam, Govinda Mari Purusham Tamahamajami. When your mind changes, your eyes change, you see everything differently. I had this uh, experience once when I went to Scotland. And uh, we had traveled a long time, and I got there at night, and uh, a couple things happened. Uh, we went to the Mangalartik, and the sun started coming up, and I'm sitting there chanting Japa. First thing I realized was Gorni Thai was the Gorni Thai I grew up with in San Francisco. Somehow or other, they took a boat and went to Scotland. <laughs> I was like, how'd you get here? And they're looking at me. How'd you get here? And, and so, anyway, that was besides the point. But as I was sitting there, and I was seeing all the beautiful deities and the pictures of Krishna on the wall, and I was chanting Japa, I had this feeling that Krishna's always there. He's always there in his personal form, everywhere. I just can't see him because of my state of consciousness, which is that I don't really want to see him. 
I want to see what I want to see. I don't want to see Krishna. In fact, in Mahatma Prabhu's uh, book that he came out with on bhakti, he asked this question. It's a very challenging question. If Krishna comes to you right now and says, let's go back to Godhead, will you tell him to wait? No. Yeah, uh, think about it. You have, what about, what about, what about, fill in the blanks. Yeah, but, and this is, you know, kind of our, our conundrum. I'm, I'm absorbed at everything that I want to do. So, uh, we, we see the Dom according to the covering because of, of our own sense of uh, a tendency to, to see matter because our minds are absorbed in matter. They become like Jadabudi. It become like part of the material worlds because whatever they associate with. Prabhupada once said, then they become like. Prabhupada once said that uh, you meditate on a stone house. I want to live in a stone house. Anybody like stone houses? I mean, they're kind of nice, right? Big stones and, you know, fancy fireplace stone house. You know what I'm talking about, right? You don't see any here in California. You got to go somewhere else. Stone house. So he says, meditate in a stone house, live in a stone house, then your mind becomes stone. Because that's what you're meditating on. I got a stone house. I want a stone house. I paid $5 million for a stone house. Then you become stone. Because we become whatever we associate with. So due to our tendency to always see matter, to be absorbed in matter, and see, think that's my refuge, then wherever we go, including the Dom, we're only allowed to see this covering on the outside. And so we have to actually amend our own consciousness. And the way to do that when we go to the Dom is to hear and chant. Because as Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said in a lecture, when our Prabhupada went there as a bai and had sat down at the Yatra, he could only go for one day out of the ten because he was so busy with family life and his business. So he went there and Srila Bhaktisiddhanta was speaking on the last night and there was an opportunity that everyone could go to see Sheshashai Vishnu. It was last darshan possible. And so most of the crowd cleared out. And Prabhupada stayed there and he listened. And Srila Bhaktisiddhanta was giving a lecture to a very sparse crowd. And in it he said, what will they see? Because you, you see by hearing. You don't see by going and be a looky-loo. We're not on a National Geographic tour here. Like, click, 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 click. You know, just uh, try to be in a devotional mood and you'll see Krishna everywhere. So I had that thought in Scotland. I was thinking Krishna's always there. His personal form's always there. But uh, you could only see it when you're absorbed in that mood of bhakti and you want to see it. So to those who are extremely desirous and they develop that desire by association with devotees, uh, who just uh, are always eager to see Krishna, then we can also, Krishna reveals himself to those who want to see. Balaram. Hare Krishna Maharaj. It's um, also a protection, I'm sorry. In the Brahma Samhita, you'll find that the Dham is surrounded by protectors. There are, Lord Shiva's there in Vrindavan. You go see Lord Shiva before you go in the Dham and say, can we come in? Because he's protecting all the all the, uh, all the gates of Vrindavan. And you read in the Brahma Samhita in the early verses, 
that's surrounded by all kinds of weapons and people standing there because they don't want any goofballs coming in. It's like, dum de dum de dum hey, you left your shoes on. It's like, no, there's a, this is a rarefied atmosphere. It's filtered. So it's, it's covered over for those who are not yet completely serious in Krishna consciousness. Prabhu. You mentioned that um, Mahaprabhu um, had this moment where he realized that his mission was completed um, and that he would go into his uh, different mood. Um, I was wondering what the specific indicators of that were in that moment. Like, what, like, what did Advaita Acharya see that made him realize that now it's that that his mission is completed here on this earth? Well, they have this inexplicable relationship, as described by Kaviraj Goswami, who can understand the relationship between Advaita Acharya and Lord Chaitanya. They're the same person. I mean, we have to understand that. Uh, in all of Chaitanya Mah in all of Lord Krishna's or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes, departure evidhita shantanama bipetya, or any of the other verses that describe how personality of God it is one, but he manifests himself in variety for his own enjoyment. So there's this rasa between uh, Advaita Acharya, who's Mahavishnu. He's the one who glances at the material world and puts it into order. So he has this sense of responsibility in some ways to the material world that, you know, participating with the Shrishti Lila, which is eternal, and the souls are entrapped in the material world. And, you know, he calls the incarnation of the Lord to come and is like, you deliver them. It's Krishna. He's Krishna. Krishna comes, however, and each one of the various manifestations of Krishna play individual roles. So Advaita Acharya calls the incarnation as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says then when it's time he tells me to go back <laughs> and that's the rasa that they have and he just told it through that enigmatic poem about rice in the marketplace it's saturated everybody has enough and Mahaprabhu then says okay I'm moving on and then Kaviraj Goswami said his mood changed and it almost became like insane insane pastimes like a crazy person he was so he became so absorbed in the the uh, relishing the mellows between radha and krishna which is why he came in the first place as we know shi radhaya pranaya mahima kidrisho vadiyaiva swadyo yena bhutamadrima kidrisho vamadiyaha saukyam chasya mad anubhavata kidrisho veti lobat he came to uh, understand uh, the depth of Radharani's love for him. So then, like Kaviraj Goswami says, insane performances. He's in the Gambira. It's all locked up, but somehow he gets out. How does that happen? Not that he broke the lock. He just got out of, <laughs> got out of the room. And then, you know, he wanders on the seashore in ecstasy falls into the ocean and is floating, gets caught by a fisherman who thinks that he caught a ghost because when he touches the body of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he starts to feel ecstasy. And then all the devotees are out looking for Mahaprabhu and they're searching everywhere and they're thinking, at any minute, of any of these pastimes, they're thinking, he could be gone now and we're left, left behind. But then they meet this fisherman who's... And they say... 
what's wrong? And he's like, I touched a ghost. Where'd you find it? In the ocean. How'd that happen? Caught it in a net. What does it look like? It's a really long and, you know, distorted body. When I touched him, I started. So Surup Dhamma goes, and he slaps him in the face, says, I'm an exorcist. I just got rid of the ghost for you. And so <laughs> then he says, where is he? Where's the ghost? And he said, over there, but don't go near him. And so they ran over there and they found Mahaprabhu, you know, seaweed and his body's been in the ocean and he's caught in a net. And they go over and it's Mahaprabhu and his body's completely distorted. These are the wild, mad pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Puri. And then they chanted and he awoke and he said, why'd you wake me up? Uh, I was absorbed. And these things go on 24 hours a day. He couldn't sleep at night, so Shankar Pandit went in. He's known as the pillow of the Lord. He would hold the Lord's lotus feet on his lap all night long just to make sure he didn't break out. You know, they couldn't contain him. The ecstasy was so deep. And it's all coming from that one room in uh, Jagannath Puri. That was uh, a long answer and more than you asked for, but just reminding us of the 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 various sections of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes. And the thing is, all these things may sound in, uh, just uh, fantastical, or they may seem like maybe they're irrelevant to me, but when you go to the Dom and you actually stay there and you, you see other people worshiping there and you feel uh, a depth of emotion there in that place, if you have spontaneous... Um, if there'll be a combustion at some point when you're hearing and chanting in that place where you get touched by that energy and then you'll you'll feel like you have some spiritual wealth that you didn't have before and we have to just like you know as you're growing up in the world you have to develop wealth you have to collect it invest it and protect it and the same thing for our lives we have a short amount of time. We have to try to become spiritually wealthy so we can afford to go on vacation to Goloka Vrindavan. <laughs> and that, one of the ways of doing that is to hear about Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the Association of Devotees. And if you can do it in the Dom, it's really nice to do. So that brings us to the end of today's session. And so um, now we're going to have the Guru Puja. So we'll roll up the carpet and also move the asanas out of the way, and we'll reassemble here in three and a half minutes to sing some prayers. Hare Krishna.